Well, recently I had read uh, that the hardest time to think about others is when we're going through trials and hardships. If you think about just in a simple way, when, when you're sick and you're not feeling good, you're not really interested in how other people are feeling. You're, you're thinking about yourself and how you're feeling and how you can get better. When things get hard, our human tendency is to take care of self, to look inward, whether that's an individual level, whether that's a family level, a community level, a church level, or even, even a country. Let's take care of us. Let's sustain ourselves and just let others fend for themselves. This worldly mindset easily creeps into local churches. Things are going well for our church. Let's maintain what we have. Let's preserve that for as long as we can. I think local churches like ours will be increasingly challenged in the coming years with this worldly mindset. Inflation, the volatility of our nation, so many unknowns that, that are coming down or are already upon us are going to cause us to, to be cautious, to stop spending, to not, let's not take many risks. And we're going to have a, a pull to turn inward and protect ourselves. But when we look at the New Testament church, one of the things that we realize is that they're far better off when they turn their focus outward and didn't just try to maintain and protect themselves inward. They were better off with a kingdom focus. Local churches that, that have a kingdom focus, and we're going to talk about what that looks like, are, are one, more obedient, because I think that's what the scriptures call us to, but they're healthier and they're better equipped to navigate the uncertainties of the world. And you'll see what I mean in just a few moments as we move forward in our text, but the, 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 the church that I want to focus on in this passage, and my, my uh, title here over this text says the church in Antioch, and we could certainly say the same thing about the church of Antioch that we'll look at in the church of Jerusalem, but I want to focus our mind around the church of Jerusalem because for the church of Jerusalem, persecution came to their doorstep and many believers fled and they scattered and they, and they left the church where they lived. They left their homes and their families and their friends and they moved to different cities and regions. And persecution is never fun. It's not easy. But it's, it's often good for the church as was the case for the church of Jerusalem. Because this scattering set off a chain reaction that would see churches multiplied across the Roman Empire. The church of Jerusalem wasn't perfect, but from their actions we'll see that they were a kingdom-focused church. I have four points this morning, and, and we will be fairly brief because I want to give time for others to share. Four points on what a kingdom-focused church looks like. So number one, we're just going to jump right in. A kingdom-focused church, first of all, preaches the Lord Jesus. You see in verse number 20 in, in our text, as, as people had scattered going back to the persecution and the, the martyrdom of Stephen uh, just a few chapters earlier, some of them, verse number 20, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, 
When they came to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists, that is, uh, the, the Greek-speaking non-Jews. So the, these are not Jewish people that they're speaking to. But they're, what were they doing? They were preaching the Lord Jesus. If you don't get any other points this morning, get this one. Because the rest of what I'm going to say doesn't matter and, and probably doesn't even happen if they are not preaching the Lord Jesus. The reason the believers had fled from Jerusalem was because they were preaching the Lord Jesus. And as they scattered, they continued to preach the same message. This is why verse number 21 is written, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Numerical growth can happen for any number of reasons. But gospel growth happens when we faithfully and prayerfully preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Their growth that we're reading about here doesn't happen because of their methodology or their organization. It was because of their message. The message is a message of restoration. Restoration of sinful, wicked men and women to a perfectly holy God through Jesus has brought that relationship back together and restored what was broken in the fall. And this can only happen because Jesus, who is God in the flesh, took our sin. He died in our place and three days later he rose again, providing eternal life to all who would believe the world needs to hear of the one who bore their sin in his body on the cross. They need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And this shouldn't be a big step for any church because the message we should be preaching to others is the message that we should be preaching to ourselves on a daily basis. Day in and day out. We should be preaching to one another. It's the same message that we need to be growing in and, and, and strengthened in, this good news of Jesus Christ. And as we preach to ourselves every day, it should just flow out of our hearts to those that we meet in our daily lives. The proclamation of Jesus Christ is the heart of our church mission. I want to give a danger to our church, and this is a danger to any church, but we're thinking about our church here for a moment. A danger to guard against is substituting other things for the preaching of the Lord Jesus. Because all it takes is a slight deviation for the hand of the Lord to be removed. That's what we read in verse number 21. The hand of the Lord was with them. Because of the message they were preaching. And a slight deviation for that, verse 21, is not written. We may get bigger numbers, we may have greater finances, but what, we'll be, what we will be missing is that people will not be turning to the Lord. They'll, they'll turn to other things. Things that will even make them start to feel good about themselves. But our goal is that they would turn to the Lord and so I do want to clarify up front what I'm about to say because, because I, want, I, I don't want us to misunderstand this. And the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us guidance into cultural issues. And at times it even compels us to speak into certain issues of the culture. 
and certain things that we need to be mindful of. However, cultural issues and some of these other things that, that, that I'll just briefly mention can never be in the driver's seat of our mission. They can never be the thing that, that, we're, 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 that, that is pulling the cart, so to speak. It always must be preaching the Lord Jesus. So church, we are not called to preach conservative or liberal politics. We are not called to preach good citizenship. We're not called to pre preach types of schooling, other social issues. We're not called to preach our own local church. And do you know how easy it is to let that slight deviation creep into our own lives? Do you know what our church can do for you? Do you know what programs we have to offer? And I think there's a place to invite people out to our times of worship. But if we're not careful, we will find ourselves preaching our church and not the Lord Jesus. In fact, I was just confronted with that in my own life this week. I, I was talking to someone on Wednesday, someone that I, I've known several times, but for the first time we got into a spiritual conversation. And the way it came up, hey, I used to go to you. I just realized what church you're at. I used to go to your church as a kid, and I went to Awana, talking almost 18 years ago. And my first words out of my mouth really were, well, why don't you come back to church? Let me invite you out. And I think that's totally fine. But in the background, I heard the Lord say, are you going to introduce him to me? I don't always think that first thought. But I said, you know what? As nice as it is to come out to church, coming to church will never make us right with God. Let me tell you a little bit about Jesus. And from that, the Lord revealed that he has a real hard time with church itself. But let's preach the Lord Jesus. All it takes is a slight deviation for the hand of the Lord to be removed. A kingdom-focused church preaches the Lord Jesus, and we don't have time to get into it, but you see that word Hellenist there? That's not familiar. It, it, it's the non-Jews. Some were only focused on the Jews, but some were willing to go outside of their comfort zone and minister to those who are not Jewish, of a diff different ethnicity. So we preach the Lord Jesus to all peoples. Secondly, and this one will be very brief, a kingdom-focused church is interested in other churches. Just the first part of verse 22. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Let's just stop right there. Word travels back to the church of Jerusalem, the established church. They're going through a very difficult time themselves. We just read about persecution and they're losing. I don't know how many people went out from their numbers. Chapter number 12, it's going to get a lot worse for them. They're 300 miles away from Antioch, dealing with their own problems, but they had ears that were willing and interested in listening to the report. I know it sounds like a, maybe a, a small point to make, 
but at a time when other churches might say, hey, we're struggling with our own stuff. We have other things going on. People in our, so many people in our church have just left. We just can't afford to help. The church of Jerusalem was willing to listen. They were interested in what was going on beyond the walls of their church. And not only were they interested, but point number three, they were willing to invest resources. The second half of verse 22, really all the way down to verse number 27, it says, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And, and I, I'll stop there and we'll talk a little bit about that and then some of these other verses, but I do want to commend the church of Jerusalem here because their interest in Antioch was not just them putting on a show. Oh, that's great. That's a great report. You know what? We'll, we'll pray for you about that, which that's fine. We should be, they should be praying for them. Maybe we'll take a love offering and then we'll move on. No, not only were they interested, but they're willing to invest their resources both financially and in the sending of people. They send Barnabas. Okay, that's great. Well, who is Barnabas? Turn back to chapter number four real briefly. Just want to read two verses. If you're not familiar with Barnabas, or to remind you, if you've heard the name before, who exactly Barnabas is. Chapter 4 and verses 36 and 37. Barnabas is singled out in chapter number 4, and then his name will keep popping up all over the book of Acts. In fact, he becomes a partner with Paul on many missionary journeys. Verse number 36, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. That's going to be contrasted with chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, who are judged for their deceit in what they had sold. Barnabas is held up as a model, as, as an example. So in other words, when we read, they send Barnabas, Barnabas is someone that, as leaders, we're encouraging our people to be like, be like a Barnabas, a son of encouragement, a disciple maker. So they're not just saying, well, who can we spare from the low ranks? They send one of their best. And so we have to think about the person that, we would, that would come to our minds when we think of who's the most helpful person in our church, someone that loves the Lord, that loves people, that evangelizes, that, that just wants to see disciples made. Who is that person that comes to your mind? And then think about what it would be like to send them out. No longer, week in or week out, are you going to receive that encouragement from a Barnabas-type person. The church of Jerusalem gave a vital part of their church to help those in Antioch establish themselves. They were looking beyond their church with a kingdom focus. And I asked myself the question, well, why did Barnabas go? And I, I doesn't say it in the text, but I think from just reading the book of Acts about the church of Jerusalem, he went because the church was preparing him to go. It wasn't like, what are we going to do here? It was, who do we have coming up that we can send out for the kingdom? The pastors and the elders were, same thing, were instructing the people to go when that need arised. 
Go and evangelize. And they were simply following what Jesus had commanded them to do in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and make disciples. So can I encourage you as a church, as individuals, prepare to go into the fields. You never know where the Lord will direct you. He may keep you right here. He may send you to New York City. He may send you to Ethiopia. He may send you to somewhere that's not even on your radar. But if you prepare, God will use that and send you out. Christian, your goal ought to be to grow to be a disciple maker. Let me be like a Barnabas. Use me in that way. And I know it's hard to think because what do we think? Here's that, here's that, inward, that inward worldly mindset creeping in. Who's going to fill the void in our congregation? What about us? But God will raise others up. And our church shouldn't rise and fall on one person. It can't if we're going to live this out. This is Christ's church, and he has the responsibility to raise up other leaders to fill those voids as we faithfully seek to send others out for the kingdom Number four, and, and we'll be finished. And it ties into the other points, but a, a kingdom-focused church commits long-term. It's willing to invest resources, but these are long-term resources. Notice verses 25 and 27 through 27. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. He sees that he needs help, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So I don't know who supported them during that year. Maybe they were self-supporting. Uh, but I think verse 27 shows us that there was more interaction going on here between Jerusalem and Antioch in the coming months. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. This is not a one-and-done investment. They're committed long-term to Antioch. Barnabas goes down to Tarsus. He brings Saul or Paul back. They're going to stay a whole year discipling the church in Antioch, grounding them. And any good evangelism necessitates discipling. Go and preach the Lord Jesus, baptizing them teaching them to observe all things that Christ has commanded. That's the Great Commission. So hit-and-run evangelism shouldn't be the method of any church. Pray this prayer, and I don't know what's going to happen to you. No, we're in it for the long term, both in our community, with the missionaries that we support. We want to see missionaries that are committed to seeing disciples made and God's design for discipling people is through the local church. So we want to be a church that is making sure that those who are being saved are being discipled as well. And I think our missions trips this summer were a step in that direction. Being able to send out some, some, some of our best leaders in the church to Ethiopia to strengthen the churches in Ethiopia alongside our missionary with TLI, 
We've supported Nate and Carol Watkins for decades financially and through prayer, but being able to send a group for a week is a great start to investing further resources with that church. And there's, there's more work to be done, not just with, with them. And, the, and New York really is a church like Antioch, kind of a melting pot. But with all of our missionaries, a kingdom-minded church commits long-term I just want to wrap up thinking about what comes of all of this. In other words, what's in it to be kingdom-minded? We understand what's in it when we, when we look inward and we seek to protect ourselves. But thinking outside of ourselves, verses 28 to 31, I think, help us with some of this. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. There's a historical event that happened that the Bible records. So the disciples, these are the people of Antioch, the disciples in Antioch determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So the investment for the church of Jerusalem into the church of Antioch, one, paid eternal dividends. They, they could not have known that Antioch would become the hub of Gentile evangelism for the known world. You read in Acts chapter 13 and 14 and 15 and 18, and you see this church of Antioch over and over sending out missionaries. They, they really became a kingdom-focused church as well. But Jerusalem could never have known that when they first started sending resources. They could have never have known that churches would start to be established and pop up all over the known world and thousands of people would come to Jesus Christ. There was an eternal investment that can't be measured. But Jerusalem didn't only benefit or, or if I say like reap benefits with eternal dividends, they would soon find out in a very practical way that they were better off in the here and now with gospel partners. As the famine prophesied by Agabus in verse 28 becomes reality, the sending church, Jerusalem, becomes direct beneficiaries of the giving of the church of Antioch. There is a practical, earthly benefit to them having a kingdom focus. They weren't out there by themselves all alone. They had connections and partners with other believers that had the same exact focus as them. And so as the hardship would come to the church of Jerusalem, they were far better off with the church of Antioch than without them. Even though Antioch is experiencing the same effects of the famine, this famine didn't just affect Judea, although that was one of the hardest hit areas of this famine at the time. Antioch's going through, but notice they were determined to send relief. They had it fixed in their mind. We need more churches of like faith that we can help, that we can support, that, that we can encourage, and that they would do the same for us. We need a kingdom focus. And this idea of a kingdom focus is simply living with Christ as the head of our church. 
These focuses were Christ's focus. When he lived among us, he was focused on the kingdom. Yes, he had a close group of disciples that he poured into, like, like we would think about our local church that we, we obviously have deeper relations with, but his perspective went beyond the twelve. So much so that he taught them so that they would go out to the ends of the earth and the kingdom would spread. You see, the tendency once again, and bringing our minds back to this, in uncertain times is to turn inward, to maintain what we have here, to make sure we're doing okay. But even in uncertain times, we need to be preaching the Lord Jesus. We need to be interested in what the Lord is doing in other churches all around the world, willing to invest resources, both financial and prayer, and even with the sending of people. And we need to commit long term. Part of my heart in doing this trip this summer was really to grow our vision of what we can and should be doing as a church. That this trip wouldn't just be a one-week thing that, you know, great, we hear some reports and we move on, but it would spur us to a kingdom focus. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I saw the Lord working in my life was giving me a stronger kingdom, kingdom focus, realizing more than ever that yes, he has called us to build his church here, but it extends far beyond this church here. And so I pray that we can send some of our best out to serve globally. I don't know if you know this, but the wall by the, the bathrooms over here have pictures of different people on it. Those are people, I, I think it's pretty updated, uh, that are currently serving in some kind of full-time ministry capacity that came out of this church. I pray that we can add to that wall, that more would go out. I pray that we would have a gospel Gospel partnerships, both locally in our county, our state, our country, our world, that, that we can commit to long term and even deepen those relationships. I just pray that we would have a kingdom focus as a church. Let's bow in prayer. God, you are good. Your kingdom is growing, not because of us. but because of your power, because of the preaching of the Lord Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit who is at work in this world, convicting people of sin, making disciples. Lord, we have no control over those things. We can control what we preach and what we proclaim. And I pray that as individuals, as a church, that our focus would grow, would enlarge, that we would see the value even more than we already do of being a kingdom-focused church for the glory of Jesus Christ. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that will mean. I don't know, maybe what hearts you're even stirring and working in in this room here this morning that, that might be even thinking, maybe, maybe I should be like a Barnabas and go out. Lord, whatever that looks like, we trust that this is your church and that you will continue to build it. 
Help us to be found faithful. Faithful to the message of the gospel. And we do pray that your, your hand, the hand of the Lord would be upon us and that, that we would see many people turn to the Lord. We trust you for the fruit. We trust you for the planting of the seeds in lives through the trips that happen this summer, through the camp that will happen next week, Father, through our day-to-day interactions with those that we come in contact with. Use us beyond what we might even realize. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, I'm going to start our team off here and just sharing a few things. Um, Some of you may or may not be familiar with uh, Nate and Carol Watkins and their ministry. Uh, we didn't get a, we didn't get like just a picture with them. So uh, ignore all those other people except for the people circled in red there. That's Nate and Carol Watkins. Uh, they started as missionaries. I think it was like 1988 or 89, somewhere in there. And uh, we have supported them since. Now Nate grew up in Liberia. They went to mis- to be missionaries uh, in Liberia at the time, and then there was a lot of civil unrest and. Carol had some health concerns, and so the Lord had rearranged for several years uh, different parts of their ministry um, and focus, Um, but 12 years ago, the Lord opened the door for them to go to Staten Island uh, and start ministering with a a little bit of an established uh, group of Liberian, I don't know if they were immigrants or um, refugees, from the time, uh, but there's what would be maybe like eight building, a part, I may say apartment, but it's like the projects, complex, high rise, uh, that are mostly all Liberians uh, that live in there. And that, that's where their ministry really started and how they ended up in Staten Island. So Nate is very much uh, Li- Liberian. Uh, he even considers himself that, to be that way growing up a missionary kid there. Um, but that's them. I think I'm just going to say next, and here's a picture of Nate here. Uh, again, don't have a good, like, just individual picture of Carol, uh, but that was at our community um, cookout that we did right there with some of the neighbors. Next. Um, so I, just to give you an idea, because you, you, you might have seen some of those pictures, and you think, what in the world is going on? Like, there's, it's, the pictures are so busy uh, in the building. Uh, this was where they used to meet, and it was pretty much a one-room rec room. You can see that the floor is all like half tiled up, and uh, the other half is all destroyed. Uh, in the basement or the bottom of, of one of the uh, project buildings in that, in that Liberian community, um, Katie got sick, basically, when, uh, when we were in there. Um, and uh, we only saw one roach that was alive. Uh, but it was truly uh, a, not a place that you would probably want to meet. In fact, I said, what was a better meeting place, this place or uh, where you guys met in Liberia? And he said, in Liberia, which is perhaps the poorest African country. Uh, so that gives you an idea of what what that room was like. So when you see next the, uh, a picture uh, of here, this is their storefront building, and they have both the bottom floor and the upper floor with several rooms. Um, 
That, that's a picture uh, of the front there next. And here's a picture of some, some of the pictures of the inside. Uh, the walls have been studded, but they're waiting for approval to get... Um, to run the electric and put insulation in the walls before it can be drywalled and finished off next. Uh, this is just another picture of, so that would be their auditorium there. Um, and just with the skylights and those little bit of lights that you see there before everything is finished uh, is far brighter than where they were meeting. But that gives you a little bit of an idea of uh, where we were ministering as far as the building and that sort of thing. Next, I don't remember. Uh, oh, I got a bunch of numbers here. Okay. So this is, I'll be done after this, um, but um, truly, first of all, I want to thank you for your prayers, for your support um, financially, sending things, um, snacks and things along, along with us. Uh, all of that stuff uh, went to use, and, um, but just really the prayer, um, I think, was probably the, the, the most powerful thing. Um, that we realized, that I realized during the week. In fact, um, when we were sharing some things on that, the last Thursday night there with Nate and Carol at their house, um, she said, and I'll use her words, you know, quote, um, we, we, have, we, we have other groups in. This, they do this um, every year with several different groups, but, um, and they're great, they're great. And she said, I don't say this to flatter you. And, and so I say that, you know, as well f- for our group to be reminded of. It's not a flattery. But there's some, there was something different about this group. Um, and one of our goals going in was, yes, to expose ourselves and to, 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 to think about how the Lord could use us. Uh, but really that, that Nate and Carol would be encouraged and blessed. And I, I truly believe that that was accomplished, not, not through our group, but through the work of the Lord. Um, so thank you for that, and it really made an impact in their lives. But I got some numbers for you. Um, they'll go from uh, not serious at all to very serious. Um, number one, they see the number one there. The number of times, and, and you can ask, all of our team members will be in the back uh, foyer area on the way out that you can ask them questions about other details and things because we don't have time to talk about everything. Um, But the number of times a team member was offered drugs, it only happened once, uh, and that was to Katie. Um, Also, number one, the number of men we saw get beat up by women during the week. Uh, That was another interesting story. Four and a half, that's an interesting number. That is the number of times the teens credited John with a funny joke. Four and a half times during the week. 317, the number of jokes John actually told during the week. <laughs> uh, this one, well, I'll, let me set the stage. So in our, in our community cookout, it was a little bit different than they've done in the past because now they have the building there and they used to do it in the courtyard of, of where the, the Liberians, many of them, live. This time we did it right out front uh, and down the sidewalk, basically, of uh, there's an apartment building that they've been getting to know some of the people. And so we actually kind of in conjunction with them, some of them did the grilling and um, we had provided food and tried to mingle with uh, I don't know how many people were there, 
Um, but in between the, the apartment building, well, I guess there was two apartment buildings there. There was a, a wooden gate. And after a while, <laughs> after a while, um, several of the men kept going in and out of the gates. And you, you started to pick up on they were going in and out as they were smoking weed, doing drugs, and then they would come out and mingle with everyone else. And uh, so 11, number 11 here, is the number of minutes that we could estimate that Linda was hanging around the gate <laughs> catching whiffs of the drugs. Uh, in fact, at one point, John had to say, Linda, come on over here. You're feeling kind of lightheaded. That's another conversation, though, for her. Um, no, three and two, uh, that is the number of trash and recycling bags that we collected just in, within a couple hours when we cleaned just their, just their block. We just went around the block. Um, there was a lot of, of trash, but we weren't just cleaning for trash sake, um, but we got to have, there was several, uh, one business owner came out and helped us. We got to tell them about um, what Nate and Carol were doing, uh, and even just talk with some of them a little bit, and then we used that to transition into washing some of their windows and further um, building some of those relationships there in the community. 23 is the number, I believe, I, didn't, I, I don't have the registration cards anymore, of different kids that came throughout the week. So obviously not everyone was there every day, but there were 23 different kids. Um, 10 of those kids have never been into uh, that church, and my guess would be any church, Um, and that was a huge answer to prayer. Many of them were the neighbors that Nate and Carol and the church had been reaching out to that we did the community cookout with. Um, Five uh, that I could recall, adults who either stayed for Kid Venture one day, and so they would have heard the gospel that weren't a part of the church. They, They brought some of those 10 kids in, or uh, came into the church every day and uh, got to meet Nate and Carol and some of the church people and we got to interact with and, and some of those um, even just sharing the gospel, straight out straight sharing the gospel with through the week. Um, and then the question marks, um, seeds planted and watered. I, I have no idea. I don't know what fruit will come from this. Uh, but we want to be praying too and look forward to hearing updates from some of the people that we did um, be able, we were able to minister to and seeing if they ha- will, as promised, continued uh, coming out and being a part of the Watkins ministry. So that's all I have. Um, and I think, Linda, I'm going to have you come up and there should be a, you have the microphone. If you just want to pass that to each person as they come forward, that'd be great. All right, in my defense, I didn't see the men going in and out. of. The, actually, there were women, and they took their children in there and everything, but I didn't see that until later. I stood there, and I thought, what is that smell? And then I happened to turn around, and I saw the men behind the gate, and, oh, I think I better move. <laughs> so... Yeah, as you can tell, we did have a great time. I want to thank the church and whoever the anonymous donor was for funding our trip. 
um, the goodies and the prayers. And as, as Dennis already said, we could feel those prayers. We knew that you were praying for us. We even had texts from people who said, I'm praying for you today. And that meant so much. You just, sometimes when you say, I'm praying for you, you don't know what that does for a person's heart. So that was very meaningful. Um, I've always had a dream to go on a mission trip. Um, I, I wasn't sure, since I'm getting a little older, whether that would ever become a reality. So I just felt, I felt that this was something God wanted me to do. And I always thought it would be another country. I didn't realize that God would bring Liberia to me. Um, so I didn't know what to expect. But this totally exceeded my expectations. I'm so thankful that our church supports Nate and Carol. We got to know them so well. Um, <clears throat> their hearts and their love for these people is so obvious. And they treated us very well. As you can see, Carol gave us all dresses that were made by the Liberian ladies for her. She had a whole bag of them. So she let us go through them and pick out whatever we wanted. Um, and then we ate dinner with them many times. Um, Nate kept us laughing with all his stories. He'd tell us stories about the Liberians. And uh, oh, he also told us about their funeral things. It just, it was, he was so interesting. Um, and we also got to try African food. We had spinach soup, and of course it always includes rice as well. Um, picture. Okay. These, I taught Sunday school on Sunday morning. And these were two of the children that I had. Um, the little boy in the yellow shirt and the police cap was one of my real live wires. Live wire, I, I, you know, have you ever seen a wire that's dancing all over the place? Well, this is George. George was one of them. And then Michelle is totally the opposite. And she was there for Sunday school and she was there all week long. And how I loved her great big eyes. And I said to her mom, can I take a picture of her? She just was such a sweetheart. I just enjoyed her. Um, the Liberians are very sweet and caring people. Uh, education is extremely important to them. They want their kids educated. Um, oh, I, in my Sunday school class, I didn't tell you, I, I taught them about um, the... Jesus on the, on the sea and the sea, the storm coming up. And then I had them act it out. Well, they really liked that. And George was really acting. <laughs> um, oh, and I want to show the next pictures. Okay, this Sunday after church, well, this is Denzel and Jackie in the first picture. They actually, Jackie's only 11 but you can see what a big girl she is. Um, she, they were both in my Sunday school class, and then they and the next group, which were young adults at the church, 
um, we all went out to a pizza place for lunch after church, and they all went with us. Now, they're not in native dress, but the ladies came in native dress, and it's so colorful and so beautiful. Um, so that was, that was a treat for me. Um, we, our theme for the week was uh, Everyday Heroes. So we had a uh, Marine, we had a policeman, a fireman, a, a nurse, and a teacher. And then our lessons followed up with, with heroes in the Bible. So that was, the kids were wonderful. And i tell you something about Denzel. Denzel is a real leader, and he was a real firecracker all week. Um, and I finally got to ask him on the last day. I was pretty sure that he knew Jesus, but I wasn't positive. So I sat down with him and talked to him. And so that was a blessing for me to know for sure that he knew Jesus. The joy that we saw in the kids learning their verses and singing. And as you saw, the, the, the singing that took place, in, they love to sing. And that thing you heard in the background is called a sasa. It's nothing more than a large gourd that's in macrame, and she just shakes it. But that was, that was really neat for us. Um, Dennis gave us a little devotional that we worked on every morning. We each had our own individual devotions in the morning. And one of the quotes in that that struck me said, we need Jesus just as much as these people we came to serve. That was very humbling for me. Then Dennis was a great leader for our team. After breakfast, he would share thoughts with us to keep our minds on Jesus, and a few of those were loving unconditionally, serving with humility, and total dependence on Jesus. Sometimes it's easy to feel inadequate when you're serving and like you're not doing a great job. But Psalm 73:26 speaks to this. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So I kept trying to remember, I'm doing this through Jesus' strength, not my own. A word about our team. <laughs> um, first of all, um, we had the same goal in mind. But our team was seven of us. It was a fantastic week. I really feel that God particularly put this team together. I think, I even think about, he knew my heart for many, many years, and he knew that one day I would serve on this team. Um, everyone was so helpful, always working together. We did a lot of teasing of each other and a great deal of laughing. Just ask Will about VW. And I have to mention how Will and John kept such great watch over us whenever we, whenever we were out anywhere. They just kept, made sure that we were safe. And that was, that was a real blessing to my husband's heart. <laughs> Thank you again for everything. It, it truly was a wonderful trip. And, and I, I just thank the Lord for this opportunity to do this.
Uh, first of all, I would like to thank everyone for uh, giving me the opportunity to go on this trip. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I think we all enjoyed it. Um, thanks for all your support and for all of the um, snacks and goodies and um, just everything, all the funding that you gave um, to us. And something that really encouraged me throughout the trip was the love that the people in the Watkins Church showed to us. It reminded me that no matter where you go, um, even if it's all the way around the world, there are still Christians that are just as loving and welcoming as the people here back home. And that just really encouraged me throughout the week. Um, one of the highlights of the week was Sunday night we went to Coney Island and we walked along the boardwalk and got Nathan's hot dogs and a couple of us rode a roller coaster and the Ferris wheel. Um, we got some gelatos, those were really good. Um, and while we were walking, there was these huge snakes. I think the guy said they were pythons. And he said the one was like 198 pounds and they were like 20 feet long, but um, Jet was gonna go hold one for $10, but he didn't end up doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was overall just a fun trip. Thanks for your support. Um, thank you all for allowing me to go. First off, I'll just explain VW right here because I don't feel like explaining it several <laughs> times over. So what happened was, uh, what was it, a Sunday night or Saturday night? Saturday night we were sitting at dinner, you know, and PD, he has to explain every time he goes somewhere new with me, he has to explain what vegan will means. Well, I'm going to explain what vegan will means so, because I don't know if everyone here knows. Uh, 2021, we were at D3, and it was the last night there, and he was asking uh, one of the college kids who was our counselor for the week there, uh, good local restaurants to go to that night. And then PD, you know, just picking on me, he's like, is there any vegan options? Because, you know, Will's vegan. I don't know why, but for some reason, I just went out and I just like, oh, I'm not vegan, that's offensive. <laughs> and so, from then on, vegan Will has stuck. We were at dinner Saturday night, and Sue, um, she is a friend of Nate and Carol Watkins. She has helped them in Africa. Um, Sue, she likes to give initials, you know. We got BJ over here, and um, PD. So I mentioned PD. She's like, does that mean you're VW? <laughs> and let me tell you what, that immediately stuck. I'm not going to live that down. Everyone calls me VW. Um, one encouraging thing to me throughout the week was um, staying humble. Like, we're blessed here. We have an amazing church. We have an amazing building. But seeing the church that they, the building that they came from and the church that they're in now, it really, how do I put this? It really humbled me to the fact that God is still providing, God is providing, God is providing. I mean, God's provided us with this amazing building, but to them, that building is amazing. And that building truly was compared to what they were in, because Nate showed us where they were and it was really, really bad. Um, that building was amazing, that building was good. And he also reminded me to stay humble that no matter where you are, no matter where you're at, things are always bad, things are always going to get worse. 
but there's always going to be people around that love you and help you, like your brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, so thank you for allowing me to go, and I want to go again. So yes, I was offered drugs on the trip. I'll just own it. <laughs> I got out of all the hard work. I did not wash windows. Everyone else did. I did not pick up trash. Everyone else did. Instead, I was the good one who went out and invited the whole community to church. And in that time, um, I went out with, on Sunday, we went with the group of the young adults. And then John and I went out. And I was not offered the drugs when I was with John. I don't know if they're scared of him or what. John made the comment at one point that I was fearless. I am not fearless. I'm just not fearful. And my theory is, is the worst they'll tell me is no. So I didn't worry about going up to people and saying, hey, around the corner is this new church and we're doing a kids program, yada, yada, yada. Well, the Wednesday when they were washing the windows, Carol asked if I would go with her to canvas the neighborhood again. And like it's been mentioned, education is a massive thing to these people. And not just the librarians, even in, because um, the neighbors were uh, Puerto Rican, um, there's a larger Latino population in the area that they're now in. Education means a lot to these people, and it means a lot to them because they themselves don't have the education they want. Um, but unfortunately, in areas that are more uneducated, the drug use is higher. So Carol and I are walking around, and she's this very unassuming looking woman. Let me tell you, she's a force to be reckoned with. So we're walking around, and we got hugs from random people being so excited about this VBS and the church. And we go into this park. She tells me, all right, we're going to go into this park. Kids don't typically go in this park. The druggies use this park on their breaks and stuff. She's like, but they might know kids, so we'll go in. There's this group of ladies. They're lounging on uh, these benches. And I go up, and the lady tells me, you got to come closer, honey. I'm too high to hear you from far away. So me being me, I went closer. And she looked at her joint, and she's like, I haven't puffed this yet. Do you want one? <laughs> I turned it down. But, you know, even in that instance, you know, I handed her the track, and she's like, there's a church here? And she had no clue. And part of it is it's a new church to the area. So we did. We had some adventures, and I really enjoyed myself. I love the city. Um, there's no fear of me moving the city because you've all met my husband, but I would move to the city in a heartbeat. So um, if I could have my first slide up, you know, um, Dennis told us, you know, think of how we were, you know, touched. He's got the whole world in his hands. That was our theme song for the week um, with Kid Venture and the Everyday Heroes. Instead of using the traditional lyrics of he's got the wind and the rain, we added in the everyday hero of the day. So the first day it was, he's got you and the military in his hands. And then the next day it was the military and the police officer and you know, so on and so forth. The little girl holding it is Michelle. Um, you saw a picture of her with Linda too. The picture of Linda has a little boy named Ola. He was another one of the Spitfires. <laughs> um, I am willing to put money down that he has cerebral palsy. Uh, 
healthcare is very hard in Liberia, and that's where he was born, and his dad brought him over to America, but his mom is still in Liberia. They can't get her to come over. Um, you have John up there, and then you have Dennis fixing the light. I could have given you a better picture of Dennis, but I really liked the face he was making in that one. But let me tell you about this group of people right here. When I think back on this trip, I made the comment that um, we became a family. We had a mom and a dad, we had three kids, we had a grandma, and we had the crazy uncle. And let me tell you, he took personal pride in that. <laughs> but I looked at these pictures and I really felt like I got who these people were. You had Linda, who was such a lover. She embraced these kids. You had John, who was so passionate to talk to everybody about Christ and what Christ is. You had Dennis, who looked for the practical ways to help. Um, in this picture, we're at the CEF building. That light, I don't think it's still working because it needed more work than what we could do, but he tried really hard. <laughs> if I could have the next slide. We had Avalon, who is holding another Michelle. This is a different Michelle. Um, that Michelle dubbed Avalon Mama. I was auntie, Avalon was mama. You have Will, who is holding Ava too. We had two Avas. And then we have Jet with Nevaeh. And I'm pretty sure Nevaeh is going to grow up to be a salon girl. And she loved Jet's hair. <laughs> she was constantly touching Jet's hair. I think she was trying to figure out how it stayed to the side so perfectly all day. And by the end, he had a style that she created, and he told her at one point that he'd let me recreate it. He never did. Such a bum. But, you know, I watched these guys with these kids, and going into this, this is where all my strengths are, quite frankly. I worked with CEF. I was trained with CEF. I'm a professional nanny. That's what I went to school for. But when I chose to go on this trip, part of it is, and I think we all can run into this. We grew up in Christian churches. We've come here. We're surrounded by Christians. It's very easy to lose the awe of the cross. And I had lost that. It's very simple to say, Jesus died on a cross, he rose again, and that's how we get saved, and move right on. And with this trip, it was more than that. It was more than just something you say and something you truly believe. It became more. And watching these guys with these kids this week really brought me back to the awe of what the cross really is about. Um, those are the only pictures I have up. I'm going to finish with this. It was something Carol had told us. We were on our way to this amazing pastry shop called Royal something. I don't remember what the last part was, but let me tell you, the food was amazing. Um, but one of the things she talked about to us was how the gospel gets taken and distorted. Um, in Liberian culture, they were, have a lot of devil worship. And one of the things they do is they take these kids at a young age and they shove them down a hole where they're indoctrinated for the next couple of years. And the idea of shoving them through this hole is they're being taken in, and then when they come back out, they are made new. And they are given a different name, and their past life before they went down is no longer. 
Now think of that from a Christian perspective. In Christ, we are made new. We are cleansed from anything we've done in the past. But they've taken this and it's gotten so distorted. And the saddest part of this ritual is some of these kids don't survive. And what these parents are told, they're, well, they'll wake up one morning to find a bag of rice on their doorstep. And what they're told is the devil loved your kids so much they decided to keep him. And it's heartbreaking. But then you have Nate and Carol who know this and they know how heartbreaking it is. They've watched it. They've, they love these people. And they're going, you know what? You're wrong. This isn't about an indoctrination or the devil. This is about Christ. And listening to Carol talk about these people, talk about this ritual. And I asked her, I flat out asked her, in Staten Island, does this stuff still happen? Because, you know, it's easy to imagine it happening in the bush. But we're in America, and we are much more civilized, right? <laughs> it still happens here. She said they find ways to really keep their rituals. She said one of the things they struggle with the most is teaching them Christ comes before tradition. Because even the Christians of the group, they are faced with a lot of pressure to keep the traditions, even if it means mutilation and stuff that we would just be appalled by. But you know, they have such a love for these people. They spoke to me in ways they will never know. And for me, personally, coming back to the awe of what the cross actually is, and it being more than just, you know, I was born again, I was saved. You know, it's more than that. And like I said, it's easy to get it lost in our comfortable church. And sometimes it really, really pays to be uncomfortable. And I will happily go and be uncomfortable all over again. First of all, in my defense, I think the teens were a little harsh on my humor. <laughs> 4.5 out of 3.70, that, that's not a good score, but they, they just, it, the jokes were actually funny. But uh, <laughs> first of all, I just want to say thank you. Um, I have done a lot of missions trips. I've been blessed to be able to go through, and most of them have been through the church here. And one thing that every time I go is the amount of support that you guys give to us. You know, financially sending us out and... and not having to, to pay for the things we do and taking care of us while we're there. Emotionally, uh, helping us provide. You know, every time we ask for some, you know, like breakfast foods or something, we ask for this much and we get this much. The support is, is huge. But the prayer support, you know, and, and as Linda said, we, 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 she always wanted to go to a foreign country. Now to me, going to New York City almost seemed like a foreign country. It was, it was a culture that, that I was not used to. It was a culture that I was not necessarily comfortable with. But I knew that you guys were praying for us and praying for uh, what we would accomplish. We didn't go out on our own. We went out from you and, and with that mission. The one thing that really impressed me, uh, the one thing, is the, is the unity of our team. I know you've heard about that, and it was the the idea that when we went there, our hearts were focused upon uh, the mission. 
It wasn't just us going to have a good time, us going to do VABS. There was truly an atmosphere of us taking the gospel message to these people. You know, and it was, it was fun to watch. You know, I, I watched Willie for the first time get up in front of a bunch of kids and teach a lesson. And he did a fantastic job. And there was a lot of support. I watched a lot of times with the, the kids after they'd eat lunch would get a little rowdy. Okay, a lot rowdy. And there was times where we just tag team. I'm done. I need five. Someone else jump in. You know, the one night I, I really was struggling with my back as we're wandering around New York City, the one thing I, I always had is, is they were very supportive, my entire team. And it's amazing when you go on these trips and see God work not just through what uh, we're doing, but the unity in doing so. And, and I, I truly, truly am thankful for the unity and thankful for the individuals on my team. Thank you for the support I received and from the church. The one thing that, that God kind of reminded me or retaught me was perseverance. You know, I was, we would spend, I think there was three nights, we went to Nate and Carol's for supper, and there was, we, we spent a lot of time with them and listening to their story and, you know, the, the struggles that they've gone through with Carol's sicknesses and, and coming back and establishing themselves in, in Staten Island and you can't imagine that room where they met for 10 years. And yet he persevered. Nate was not begrudgingly doing it. He was happy to do so. Their perseverance in taking the gospel to the point when I, I, I seen them get most excited Wednesday night after the, uh, the uh, block party that they were so excited to have new people come and contacts made and it truly, truly reflected in not just because we wanted to have a ministry, but they were truly interested in the souls of those people. And I was, I was oftentimes think of myself as a little impatient, I think. You know, I go and I serve God, and I want to see immediate results. I want to see what God's doing right here and now. And they have stuck to the, what they're doing in difficult circumstances, struggling themselves, and yet they're always trying to encourage these people, always trying to, to get the gospel message out. And I was, I was so encouraged by their, their perseverance in the, in the difficulty. And sometimes I uh, remind myself that, that God's the one doing it, not me. And uh, that really kind of impressed me. Thank you again for sending you. Thank you to my team for their support and for the, the good times we did have. And those jokes were funny. I think there's a video here from Jet. So I won't be in church this morning, but I did decide to make a quick video on uh, the Staten Island Missions trip. First off, um, thank you for sending us. We had a great time. Uh, it was an experience I personally never had before. So I really appreciate it that you guys, the church family, were able to send us there. Um, so I'm just going to share a quick highlight from the week and how God worked uh, just during the week, either in the kids and through us. Um, so. One experience I had, I guess, um, was just the different culture, being able to experience really what city life was like. Um, I've been to the city a couple different times, but nothing like that before where I've spent a whole week uh, ministering to different people. It was a totally different culture than here. 
but it was really cool to see. We washed windows, we cleaned garbage. Um, we just got a lot of great conversations with people and um, we just had a lot of fun together um, working for God. And um, so that was just a highlight from the week was just the, the culture and seeing um, all the different people and how they work in their lives. Um, and God worked many ways during the week. Um, I would say one of the biggest ways that I've seen and that I saw was um, him working through the church. Uh, we got a lot of great conversations. Um, we actually sat down with this guy and had like a in-depth 45 minute conversation um, about religion. It was very good. Um, but I just saw God work by opening conversations, opening doors, either during window washing or when we were cleaning the garbage. Um, it was just a great ministry to talk to different people. So that was just one way I saw God work was just through um, the church and opening those doors for conversation. And um, we actually got to invite a lot of people um, to the church Sunday service. Uh, after we left, a lot of people said they would go to church. So that was one great way I saw God work. Um, thank you again for sending us on this trip. I really appreciate it. I had a blast. I think the other people did too. And uh, just thank you for everything.